Welcome to the Heart of the Athlete. This is Reggie Etheridge welcoming you to the radio program for the Fellowship of Christian Athletes, featuring what God is doing in the hearts and lives of coaches and athletes in Idaho. Now, here are your hosts. Well, hello, folks, and welcome to the Heart of the Athlete, the local FCA radio show here in Idaho. My name is Ken Lewis, and I'm the host of uh, the Heart of the Athlete, and I'm also the director of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes here in Idaho. And uh, such an honor to have uh, Pastor Eric Sini on Heart of the Athlete today. Eric, it's great to have you on the show. Thanks, Ken. It's always good to be with you, my friend. You bet. Yeah, it was good to see you a couple of weeks ago, and I'm glad we uh, had an opportunity to, to talk today and uh, share your story about what God's doing in your life. Yeah, I, I was excited to see you, and you're always so kind to come up and to greet, and you're so good at that in your ministry, <laughs> and uh, you just made me feel warm and welcome, and I'm glad to be here. Oh, you bet. Well, folks, Eric is the pastor at um, Cunin Nazarene, and uh, you've been out there for how many years now, Eric? Coming on 22 years. Wow. And uh, wh- where, were you, where were you on staff before that? I was at the Eagle Church of the Nazarene. Okay. So it's all been here in the Treasure Valley. Almost all of it. Wow. That's exciting. And I know you and your wife, um, you guys have been married almost as long as Judy and I have been married, right? We were talking about that. Yeah. And, uh, we're, we're behind you by a year. By one year. <laughs> uh, we were um, married in 1990. So I think we're going on 32 years this year. Congratulations. Thank you. That's awesome. And uh, um, I know that... Um, you, uh, you and I actually were college teammates on the wrestling team at NNU, Northwest Nazarene. That's how we got to know each other. And uh, I know you grew up in Tillamook, Oregon. And uh, you were a state champ. Was it two years state one, champ? One year. One year state champ? One okay. year. Yeah, my senior year. Your senior year. Finally. <laughs> <laughs> and then I know when you came to NNU, uh, your older brother Jeff also came. Yes, and uh um and you guys tough tough you know you guys came out of a tough wrestling program over there in Tillamook, didn't you yeah we were pretty much committed to the sport probably would be honest to say that uh it probably shaped our identity Uh (laughs) uh-huh well and it was so good to have you guys in the wrestling room over there and uh i remember you were I was a, a, low, a, a lighter weight back then. You were, <laughs> you were heavier than I were, and much taller than I I am. Yeah. And currently, you are as well. Exactly. <laughs> Not, I think I've caught up with you weight wise, maybe. But uh, <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> <laughs> but I remember drilling with you. I don't know if we ever live wrestled, but I know we drilled some, and right. we were kind of limited on teammates and drill partners and right those were good days weren't they those were wonderful days Um, just really enjoyed that time of being able to uh, just compete and to be able to encourage one another to be our best Uh, i remember running the miles since we had a track coach for a wrestling coach at northwest nazarene Uh, but i got to give northwest nazarene credit it was the only Christian college in the Northwest that had a wrestling program, which yep. was why I could go there because right. my dad was a diehard wrestling fanatic. And um, it was good um, being able to um, just race and do the ropes and all those kinds of things mm-hmm. that we did, training. We, we worked really hard and we really pushed one another. And I loved Keith as well and the whole team. Yeah, my brother. Yeah. And I, I was actually coming off a, uh, an injury from the year before. 
and uh, ended up where I, uh, I think I had one match my senior year and I was still having some issues with that and was advised to, to uh, put my wrestling shoes in the center of the mat and call it. And uh, back then, I don't know, we didn't talk about red shirts and stuff like that, injury red shirts and all that, did we? No, <laughs> no, it was go. Yeah. Uh, we were pretty much uh, dependent upon um, being able to tolerate pain and maybe a little ibuprofen. Right. <laughs> well, and you had your older brother, uh, Jeff, and then your younger brother, Jim, and then Jim went to NNU, right? And yes. And uh, taught at Eagle High for yes. quite a while and uh-huh. helped coach over there too. And, yep. And then also, um, I know that, your dad and my dad and 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 we got to know you a little bit through different wrestling tournaments in the northwest i can't remember if it's uswf or aau tournaments back in the day regional kinds of stuff but right so right did a lot of traveling i i think that uh, my family has been in almost every gym in the northwest <laughs> and and maybe all the way to the midwest uh-huh <laughs> a lot of traveling yeah well, Eric, tell us a little bit about how you got started in sports and uh, uh, just kind of curious how eventually it kind of ended up being wrestling for you. Mm-hmm. But how'd you get involved in sports? Yeah, well, um, I'm the son of a wrestling coach. Uh, my dad was the varsity wrestling coach of the Tillamook High School team in the 60s. And he started the Tillamook Junior Wrestling Club when I was six years old. And um I found myself at a tournament uh, for the first time um, in uh, when I was about six years of age in Scappoose, Oregon, and I can remember uh, just getting thumped. And I, I remember my older brother uh, was eight, a little bit older than me at the time, and um, he won all of his matches. And so uh, <laughs> I, I started right away in um, re- wrestling with an older brother who was highly successful, and um, I found myself being brought along. And you had to try to keep up. <laughs> yeah, I was trying to keep up, and I was also trying to figure out, you know, uh, okay, since uh, this is going to be my life, um, what am I going to do with it? Mm-hmm. And so uh, I became a wrestler uh, right when I was very young, raised on the mat. Uh-huh. Any other sports you guys did in Tillamook? Um, Dad also liked football. So when football season came around, uh, played junior high and high school football. Um, uh-huh. Was average at that. Um, also played baseball for a couple of years and um, really uh, respect those uh, who have good hand-eye coordination and um, loved the sport, just wasn't very good at it. Uh, wrestling was something that um, I basically trained myself into being um, decent mm-hmm. at it. Yeah. Well, that's cool. And then um, wrestling in college, was that, was that a – how – in terms of you coming to NNU and wrestling in college, was that a, a dream of yours, or was that just kind of a, a thing that was kind of on the side? It, it was an expectation. Uh-huh. Uh, I knew that um, I would wrestle through um, a college until after I finished a college program. Uh, Dad really um, had invested a lot in us, and um, it was. I, I just didn't even think that there was any other option uh, rather than to wrestle through. Um, the thing that I found with college wrestling was is that every weekend you were wrestling um, uh, wrestlers that were state champions, and uh, the the level uh, and and the quality and uh, the the work ethic that it took, and um, just even um, the mental 
um, strength it took to be able to compete at that level. Uh, it was extremely challenging. Yeah. And, and yet rewarding and fun. Yeah. I remember, you know, tournaments that we go to in the Northwest, we were wrestling kids from Oregon state, Oregon, you know, Pacific university, uh, Boise state. Uh, I remember when I, my freshman sophomore year, Montana, Washington state, BYU, Utah state all had programs. Mm -hmm. So you go wrestle at the Boise open and you know, the big sky was still going on, you know, and Mm -hmm. Boise state had that long run of championships in the Mm -hmm. big sky. So, I mean, there was a lot of colleges that had wrestling and, uh, and like you said, man, just a concentration, right. Of right. Incredible athletes. Yeah. It was incredible competition week in and week out and wrestling a lot of the same guys over and over again. Yeah. <laughs> well, um, you know, you mentioned Tillamook several times. I Man, what a great place to go visit. And that whole part of the, the, the coast there, that northern Oregon coastal area there. And, uh, man, you know, the, from the cheese factory to all the lighthouses to all the, you know, beautiful vistas with rocks and crashing waves. And what was that like for you growing up in Tillamook? Oh, I loved the coast. Um, loved to fish. Um, learned learned to appreciate hunting in the rain. Um, just it was just an incredible place for a young person to be able to have all kinds of outdoor experiences. Yeah. Uh, in fact, my wife and I just came back from um, Oceanside, Oregon, spending a week there and uh, hiking trails and. Just enjoying it's. It was sixty degrees and sunshine um, uh, when it was overcast here and uh, below freezing, and yeah. so uh, we felt quite spoiled. <laughs> well, I, you know, I grew up going to some church camps up there at, at Twin Rocks, yeah. and I went to. I think my freshman year during the the midwinter, which was the camp between Christmas and New Year's, and then again my senior year, and then have continued to take my family back there over the years. Yeah, and that's uh, an incredible church camp. Oh yeah, it's beautiful. I've caught so, fish in that pond. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's great. Well, Eric, tell us a little bit about um, how you came to surrender your life to Jesus Christ and how that how that occurred. Yeah, I love to share this story. Um, my mom was a born again believer, and so I, I I share this story every Mother's Day at church because. Um, my mom wanted to make sure that uh, her children had heard the gospel and had an opportunity to receive Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. And so when I was 10 years of age, I was sitting in our, in, out front of our house there on the coast in Neatarts, Oregon, and mom basically asked me, she, she said, did you know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for your sins and that you're a sinner? and that you need to confess your sins and ask Jesus Christ to forgive you. And um, it was just, I mean, I, I know that it was the gift of faith because it was just, it, it just all made sense. It all connected. And, and I said, yeah, I am a sinner. In fact, I'd eaten a, a candy bar that I'd stolen uh, in that very same car. I was in a 1964 Oldsmobile car when mom asked me the question, and uh, and so yeah i knew that i had uh, that i'd stolen something i knew that i was a sinner and there were another uh, other experiences that i had understood that concept as well and so um, i asked jesus that day to forgive me of my sin and he did and um, my life has been transformed because of the beginning of that journey of and i started following jesus right from that point on huh that's uh, that's awesome what a great story 
Well, folks, if you just join us today here on Heart of the Athlete, visiting with uh, Pastor Eric Sini, who's pastor uh, at Kuna Nazarene. And uh, in fact, I've been out to church at your, at your fellowship, you know, several times over the years. And uh, I know I've helped, uh, helped uh, in the youth program one time uh, over a series of uh, creation and teaching, you know, focusing on that over, I think, a period of three or four Sundays and have had several friends that that go out there and so we've yeah. enjoyed really that. It's been, that it's been a while since we've been out. We need to come back and visit. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great You're place. You're always welcome. Always love having you. Well, Eric, you know, this uh, last couple of years have been, you know, different in terms of, um, you know, what maybe we've been used to in terms of, you know, things with the, the virus and whatnot. And I'm just curious, you know, for you as a senior pastor and things you've been focusing on, not only with your staff, and how you minister to people and the mm-hmm. people that God's called you uh, to that, but also to you know the folks that are part of your fellowship. And I'm just, you know, what are some of the main things that the Lord has focused you on, or maybe some passages in, in His Word that uh, you've just found some some great uh, refuge in that. Um, so curious about that. Yeah, that's a really good question, Ken. You know, um, in in this last season of ministry. Um, it's really just about being faithful, and it's about being consistent. And uh, Jesus is beautiful. His word is beautiful. Amen. His people are beautiful. His church is beautiful. Mm-hmm. Just staying the course, just mm-hmm. continuing to proclaim the gospel um, in this season of ministry, I've really been committed to praying, just praying that God would bring his life, that people would be born again, that they would mm-hmm. be born from above, that they would encounter life, that they would receive life in his spirit and be born of the spirit and be born of water, that they would receive that living water. And, you know, there are so many distractions right now in in our culture. But the beautiful thing is, is that our God has been saving and um growing and maturing and gifting life and transforming people from the moment he created Mm -hmm. this universe. And so, you know, um, the constant is Jesus. Mm -hmm. And Jesus is involved. And where Jesus is involved, the kingdom is advancing. Mm -hmm. Lives are being transformed. Lives are being saved. And so in this season, I just, you know, want to encourage brothers and sisters in Christ to be faithful, to continue to pray that the gift of life would be given, that people would receive it, that they would enter into it, that they would be transformed by it, that Mm -hmm. they would follow and just really just grow in Christ. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, something you said there about the church and church being Jesus's bride. We were talking about this earlier and, and how beautiful his bride is and, uh, and to be thankful about the diversity within the church, right? Amen. Amen. People are beautiful. Yeah. I mean, sin and the power of sin is a reality and it Mm -hmm. does impact and affect and, and bring hurt and brokenness habits, all Mm -hmm. kinds of terrible things. Yeah. But people are created by God. God is our creator. Jesus created us. And um, we are created in his image. And we are fearfully and wonderfully made. 
And the church yeah. is made up of incredible. I, I remember um, in college at our, the liberal arts college that we went to taking a class in art, and one of the terms was one off. And a one off is a piece of art that is just one of a kind. And every human being is a one off, mm-hmm. they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, um, do we have brokenness? Do we have hurts? Do we have habits? Do we have hangups? Do we have issues? Yes. Mm-hmm. But our God, our creator, has made us in a way that we can, by his grace, relate with him. And it's beautiful. Yeah. And so the church is beautiful. The bride is beautiful. Yeah, that's, oh, that's so good. Well, and as you're talking about that, it, it, it reminds me of um, – you know, the specialness, like you're saying, of each individual and that in the body of Christ. And it's just like our body. I mean, if something's going on with our wrist or our fingers, I mean, it affects the rest of our arm. You, you mentioned baseball players and, and pitchers, right? I mean, yeah. I, you know, what part of the arm is the most important in pitching? And I don't know, that's debatable probably, right? I don't know. I'm not a baseball guy, but we'll have to get Sean Rooney, who's on staff with us, you know, who uh, played pro ball. But, um, but I think in terms of that, it's all important. Yes. And it's like if one thing is is missing or if one thing is hampered, man, we miss out, don't we? Yes. Yeah. We we all need each other. We really do. Yeah. Well, um, I was curious about, you know, I know you love the word of God. And what are some of your, you know, uh your favorite maybe life verses that uh man that you've just uh the Lord is just like in certain times uh just just keeps reminding you and what are some yeah. of those yeah um a couple of years back i i challenged uh the congregation that i serve to to memorize some scripture and uh one of the texts that um my wife and i memorized and and we say it um during our meal times together is is that I have not departed from the commands of his lips, but I have treasured the words of his mouth more than my daily bread, Job 23, 12. Hmm. And um, we've just connected with that particular passage of Scripture, um, let alone there's kind of a literal sense to it when you're eating, but yet it's um, just the, the theological truth of it that, you know, just the consistency, the obedience, the um, the faithfulness. Now, granted, I'm completely dependent upon Jesus. I'm completely yeah. dependent upon the Holy Spirit yeah. um, to, to live into that. Uh, but yet it's just an incredible reminder and uh, repeated often. Uh-huh. That's so good. That's so good. Um, any others that have come to your mind? Well, you know, this, this last week um, I was really looking at Matthew 28, verses 16 through 20. Um, we often entitle it the Great Commission, and uh, rightfully so. Um, Therefore, go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Holy Spirit. Uh, but verse 16 is really fascinating to me because Jesus told his disciples to go um, and to meet him on a mountain in Galilee in a region where um, Galilee was the region of King David and uh, possibly the same uh, mountain that uh, the transfiguration took place on. But no one, I mean, you know, I don't have that as a certain fact that I understand. But anyway, um, in that section of scripture and verse 16, the 11 disciples meet Jesus on the mountain and Jesus comes and he's 
you know, he's in his spiritual bodies. It's mm-hmm. after the resurrection, and they're on top of the mountain. Mm-hmm. And it says that the that the eleven worshipped him, mm-hmm. and then it says that some doubted. Mm-hmm. And yeah. that particular scripture is fascinating to me because here they are. I mean, you couldn't get any better evidence of of resurrection and any better evidence of spiritual body. And and Jesus has been teaching them, investing into their lives. Um, they followed him. They've been with him through his earthly ministry. They've uh, experienced um, his death on the cross. Three days have gone by. He's resurrected. After the resurrection, he comes and teaches them and opens their mind to the Old Testament scripture and teaches them the gospel in the end of Luke's um, narrative. And here they are on the mountain, and, and some are doubting. But yet I think what happened there is, is that I think Jesus makes them disciples. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and it's a beautiful thing to think that, you know, um, we don't have to be perfect performers, and we can even have some honest doubt, and and God can shape mm-hmm. us and make us into um, instruments that are used for His purposes. Yeah, yeah, that's so good. That is interesting. There in verse seventeen, it says uh, they saw Him, they worshipped Him, but some but some of them doubted. And then, you know, I think about we were talking earlier about the church, and there's something about worship. Worship of Jesus that unifies us. Yes. And uh, so important these days. And then as you go on to finish there, he, Jesus says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I've given you. And be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. His Holy yeah. Spirit's presence with us. Amen. And keep being faithful. Like, you're, yeah. like you said, knowing that it's his faithfulness in us. I mean, yeah. we can muster up maybe a little bit and fake it once in a while, but man, we really need his faithfulness in us. Yeah. Ken, I love the last part of that. Uh, There's a command, an imperative. He says, behold. He says, behold. I I want you to physically see, but I want it to be translated into a spiritual reality. Behold, Mm -hmm. I am Mm -hmm. always with you Mm -hmm. to the very end of the age. Mm -hmm. And I just love that promise. And the I am, of course, is the connection with Yahweh. Yeah. and the connection with mm-hmm. the Old Testament, right. uh, God, and, yeah. and Jesus, of course, revealing himself as the I am, hmm. especially in John's gospel. Yeah. Wow, that's so good. Well, Eric, um, I know we just have a, a few minutes left, but um, thanks for sharing those verses. Man, it's so good. I'm just curious, you know, as um, about your calling to pastor, you know, and, mm-hmm. and how how that all started for you and how you're seeing and here you've been at CUNA for 22 years and how did all that start? And how do you, you know, maybe there's some people out there right now that are wondering about their calling. And, uh, you know, I think everybody's called to something, you know, that right. God wants to use. Yeah. I, I believe all Christians are called. I think we all have different roles and different grace. And, um, I, I really sensed the call of God upon my life to um, enter into uh, full-time um, ministry to pursue being ordained in a denomination uh, when I was in high school. Um, my um, experience um, was is that I just 
love the Word of God. I love to read. I love to study. I love to meditate. Um, I also, if I'm honest about it, um, really enjoyed youth group. And I thought to myself, are you kidding me? Youth pastors get paid to do this? Um, didn't didn't quite fully understand uh, what that role was at the time. Um, I, I got to experience that and be that um, and loved every minute of that as well. But one of the things is is that you know I started to sense the call, and then the church agreed that uh, there mm-hmm. were those that were in the church agreed that I had a call upon mm-hmm. my life, and mm-hmm. so I continued to pursue that. And um, God has opened up opportunities to be able to uh, preach and proclaim and teach mm-hmm. the Word of God. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, I know that uh, you know all of us are called like you said and uh some of us it might be volunteering some of us might be to our neighbors across the street or next door and it could be a co-worker and uh and some are called full-time ministry you know like fca or you know pastor in a church so well eric man this has been so fun to visit with you and uh to catch up and uh hear god's story on your life and uh um and how he's led you and Mindy. And uh, so, man, it's wonderful. Thanks for taking time to be on Heart of the Athlete today. Thank you for inviting me, Ken. Uh, it's been a privilege. And I just want to encourage everyone to follow Jesus, to fish with Jesus. We have to abide with Jesus. We can do nothing without Jesus. Mm, yeah. And to finish with Jesus. Mm, so yeah. follow, f- fish, and finish mm, yeah. with Jesus. I love that. Abide, you know, John 15. and Yeah. Yeah, so good. Well, folks, we've been visiting today with Pastor Eric Sini out there at Keenan Nazarene, former teammate of mine and uh, and my brother and Amen. your brother. <laughs> Amen. That's right. Brothers in the Lord. That's right. Amen. Christians. That's right. Well, thanks, Eric. Yep. Thanks, Ken. Thanks for listening today. If you are interested in getting involved with FCA or would like to donate to the FCA ministry, you can contact us through the FCA Idaho website at fcaidaho.org. Join us next week for The Heart of the Athlete, a production of the Fellowship of Christian Athletes in Idaho and KBXL, The Voice. Yeah.